He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Our order of service for today is Divine Service Setting 3, which if you have a hymnal in your home can be found on page 184 of Lutheran Service Book. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. We take a moment of silence to reflect upon our need of God's forgiveness. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins, and by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us, and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us of our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives the power to become the children of God, and he has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. Our introit for this day comes to us from Psalm 105 and also 1 Peter chapter 2. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, the judgments he uttered. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. 
Lord, have mercy upon us. We sing together the great Easter hymn of praise. This is the feast. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading for the second Sunday of Easter is from Acts chapter 5. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, 
to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council, named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these men, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease preaching and teaching Jesus as the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you. O Lord, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We confess together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. 
He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading for today from John chapter 20, where Jesus speaks these words to Thomas. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is one of the greatest lies that our modern world has taught us. What lie? Well, this one. If you can get enough information, you will have certainty. It's a lie most of us have believed pretty thoroughly. We believe that if we read enough, we will have certainty about exactly how it is that we should live our lives in order to be prosperous. We believe that if we watch enough news, we'll understand everything that's going on in our world with striking accuracy. We believe that if we find the right expert to instruct us, every trouble can be eliminated. Right now, that lie is being exposed as false day by day during these times. But that doesn't mean it will go away. I fear, in fact, it will survive this time relatively unscathed. For information is a treasured idol that few of us wish to give up. But I want to show you how it is being exposed as false in this time. You see, there is no lack of information right now about what is going on in our world. You can read page after page in the newspapers or article after article on the internet about what is happening and why. You can watch the 24-7 news cycle and all of those 24 hours, they are putting out new information to tell us about what is going on. The experts, they're everywhere. Government experts, disease experts, economic experts, we've got them all right in front of us. So our problem is certainly not the lack of information. But I ask you, with all that information that you have access to, do you have certainty? That is what the lie promises you. I know that I've talked to people during this crisis who were certain of things one day that the next day they were quite uncertain of. And I didn't think bad of those people at all, for I know that my own thoughts have shifted from day to day in this situation as well. All of us together, because there is so much uncertainty, are trying to figure out what is real and what is not real. But it's hard because we don't even know which information we should count as real. How do you know if information is real? Is it real because the person who is telling it to you is someone you trust? Is it real because the one who is speaking it to you has a certain level of education or reputation? Or do you think you know it's real because there was a chart or a graph or some other visual that convinced you of its truth? If we're able for a moment, let us back away from our current situations in our minds and ask the question a little more generally. How is it that we determine what is real in our world on a normal day? What do we count as real? Is it real if science confirms it through a study? Is it real if you can touch it or taste it or smell it? Is it real if your mind confirms it for you through logic or sound reason? Thomas, in our gospel reading, seemed to count things as real 
only those things which he could see or touch. He trusted his senses to tell him what was real, and certainly many among humanity judge things as real in that way as well. No, not even words spoken by people he knew quite well and trusted could make him count certain things as real, especially things as important as whether Jesus was alive again. Yes, he thought he could count things real only when he saw them or touched them. Each of us must admit we have our own ways that we make those determinations as well. Many scholars divide up the world into three basic periods of thought amongst humanity. They tell us that there were pre-modern times, modern times, and post-modern times. Perhaps in one way or another you've heard somebody talk about postmodern thought simply because that is the period of thought that most scholars believe we are in right now. In postmodern thought, the basic idea is that there is nothing that is really real at all. Each person is allowed to determine what is real for themselves and then pursue their life according to that reality. And that is how many in our society especially those who are younger, tend to think. But before that became the dominant thought pattern, we lived largely with modern thought. Most people, in fact, listening to this sermon today, will have grown up being taught to think in this way. Modern thinking people believe that you can determine what is real through the power of your mind. What is real can be reasoned out. Oh, you might need experts or informations to help you reason it out, but in the end, you can do it through the power of your own mind. Now, most of us who are trained this way accept this thought pattern as indeed that it has to be true. We accept it without much discernment. That's why we love information so much. We're just trying to figure out which of that information our mind should trust and then make those great decisions that the mind can make. But you know, there was a period before modern thought as well, that period the scholars sometimes speak of as pre-modern. And what did people think back then? Well, they believed the things that were real were largely the things that were revealed by God to be real. They believed that since God was the creator of reality, his word revealed what was real. What he said in the scriptures was real. And then everything else had to be placed in subjection to that revelation. That is not to say that one could not use their mind, but it was to say that their mind in the end could not be the ultimate determiner of reality. This was not to say that you couldn't listen to other people and try to understand why they thought the way they did and therefore gain some understanding. But you could not, after you had done all that talking to other people, simply say that there was nothing real. You see, in the end, it was just this simple. If God revealed it is real, it was real. No, not even Thomas's belief that you had to touch and see could override what God said. Does that seem old-fashioned to you? Do you really want to be known as one who thinks about things in a pre-modern way? Doesn't that almost demean you? Don't you at least want to be like Thomas, who can determine for himself whether things are real or not, rather than simply having it revealed by another. 
Well, at the end of our gospel reading for today, John in his gospel tells us how we are to think about the most important things in life. He tells us how we are especially to think about Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Yes, he tells us that we are to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and have life in his name. How? Well, precisely by believing those things that are revealed to us. We are to believe the witness of those who saw the miraculous things that Jesus did, up to and concluding with his glorious resurrection. And it's not just the Apostle John that has told us to think this way. Of course, the Spirit was the one who inspired his words. But even there, we can say more. For it was not only the Spirit inspiring John that said these things, but the Son of God, Jesus, said them as well. Indeed, he was the one who praised those who believed even though they had not seen. He said those people were blessed who believed simply based on the witness of others. So I ask you today, what is the most real thing you know? Is it something you were convinced of scientifically? Is it something you were convinced of based on the expertise of someone in a particular field? Is it something you are convinced of because you were there and you saw it and so you know it must be true? Well, I would suggest to you that the most important thing to count as real cannot come to you by any of those ways. For the most real thing in the entire world is the resurrection of Jesus. You are to count that event as the most real thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. And that you can only learn by the witness of the apostles, which was written down in the scriptures and then handed down to you through the church. Only in that way can you have faith which holds the resurrection of Jesus Christ as real and therefore make that truth formative in your life. Indeed, faith comes by hearing. Why is it that the resurrection should be the thing most important to count real in your life? Well, that's pretty simple. It is because it is the most astounding thing that has ever happened in the entire history of the world. I know that's a pretty grand statement to make, but it is true. For no event has had more impact on the world, even temporally speaking, about what goes on day to day. And certainly no event will have more impact eternally than this event. Nothing in all the world, even other things which truly are real, should be more formative for your life. For you are one who believes that Jesus is raised up you believe it on the basis of the accounts that you read in the scriptures from those that were there. And if you believe that he was raised up from the dead, well, then you believe he is the Christ and you have life in his name. You believe that since he has been raised up, indeed, he is with you always, even until the end of the age. You believe he's able to be present in the waters of baptism in the preaching of the word of forgiveness and in the bread and the wine, which carries into our mouth Christ's body and blood in the supper. You believe that even if death should reach you, 
and of course at some point it will, not even that can take away from you the thing that is most precious to you. That life of Christ that has been given to you, that life which you get to live out in the kingdom of God right now and in his eternal kingdom forever. You believe that you will be raised up on the last day and therefore even when they put you in your grave someday, that will serve only as a temporary resting place for you. Oh yes, Thomas had an opportunity that you did not have. And yes, it brought forth faith in him. But do you know why God did this? Why did God give Thomas that chance to stand there before the resurrected Jesus and see and touch? Well, no doubt he did it for Thomas. He loved Thomas and he wanted him to believe. But he also did it for you. For indeed, giving Thomas this opportunity assured that Thomas would go out as one of the chief witnesses to the resurrection. And Thomas going out as one of the chief witnesses to the resurrection is important in your life. For those 12 men going out as the ones whom God had chosen to be his witnesses, well, their going out meant that that word spread to the entire world and eventually came right into your life. How do you know what it is that you should count as real? Well, God reveals it, and it is real. His word contains the eyewitness accounts of the apostles, and it tells you that Jesus has died and is alive again. It tells you that he did this to forgive your sins and to give you new life. And you, you get to believe it by the power of the Spirit. And when you believe it, Jesus says, you are blessed. You are blessed because you believe even though you have not seen. Indeed, blessed are you when you count the resurrection of Jesus as real. For if you believe that, you have life. You have the eternal resurrected life of Christ living within you. You have new life now, and you will have it forever. Amen. And then may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hear us, merciful Father, as we pray for ourselves, for the church, for our nation, and for all conditions and manner of people. God of mercy, keep us from the doubts and fears that cripple us, and prevent us from knowing the fullness of your saving peace and gracious presence. Teach us to trust in your word and to believe with all our hearts, minds, bodies, and strength in Jesus Christ, crucified for our sins and raised for our justification. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of grace, bestow upon your church your Holy Spirit and all the gifts that come down from on high. Grant to us faithful pastors who will preach faithfully and give us ears to hear the word proclaimed. Sustain us while apart and bring your scattered church together again quickly. Give us boldness in our witness before the world and courage to speak your name without fear. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of power, give courage and strength to those persecuted for the faith and comfort the families of the martyrs. 
in uncertain times. Keep your church from being tossed about by the winds of change. Keep her steadfast in the doctrine of the apostles and the faith once delivered to the saints. Help us to admonish those who have fallen away and to restore with gentleness those who have wandered from the truth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of might, counsel the nations and their leaders to act wisely in all matters. Bless us with faithful and just leaders who will protect the sanctity of life and defend us against all enemies. Make us wise and discerning citizens who use the gifts you give to us for noble purposes. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, teach us to love one another as you have loved us. Guide us to make manifest the love and strength of Christ to our troubled and fearful world. Deliver us from disease and everything else that would threaten our homes and families. Protect the police, firefighters, disaster relief workers, and medical personnel who attend to us, as well as the places where we live and work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of comfort, give your aid and relief to all who suffer want or need, to the sick in their afflictions, to those troubled in mind, and to those whom death draws near. We ask especially that you would continue to watch over Pamela Berge, Peggy Harris, Larry Alm, Tom Kosky, Elaine Stieg, and Bev Newham. Heal and sustain all of them with your good and gracious will, and preserve them in faith to eternal life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of hope, be with those who grieve the loss of loved ones. Point them to the promise of the resurrection and the gift of everlasting life to all who die in Christ. Deliver us from distractions, that we may focus on your needful word and sacraments, and so be found faithful when our Lord returns in his glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, bless us with the good gifts of the earth, with the fruit of our honest labors, and with kind and generous hearts. Accept the worship of our hearts and voices, along with the tithes and offerings we send, in gratitude and thanksgiving. Look with mercy on the unemployed, and open our eyes and our hearts to the needs of the poor, that we may serve them well in your name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of peace, give harmony and unity to your people, both in our various callings before the world and in our common life together in local congregations. Help us to receive with repentance and joy the gifts that Christ gives to us, that we may always be strengthened in faith and enjoy the gift of a clear conscience through the forgiveness of sins. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O blessed God and Lord, hear the prayers of your people and teach us to trust in your will, to answer our prayers with all that is needful and beneficial, both for us and for all for whom we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.